We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Again, he is back, ladies and gentlemen. Michael, the president of the Tremendous Fan Club, Fachi, Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, back, and I ain't going nowhere. Always, always, my favorite time of the day talking to Indiana Pacers basketball. And Alex, <laughs> that is exactly what we're going to do today. We have a very fun episode for you guys today because we've talked about a lot of these draft picks and we've talked a lot about different scenarios. But today, we're going to do one specific scenario, and this scenario is what players would we trade for the seventh overall pick straight up? Now, this is not saying, oh, we'll trade seven and this to move back to this and that. No, we're saying the Pacers are on the clock at seven and teams are calling. These are the players that we accept straight up for pick seven. I think this is where it gets very uh, complicated, Fachi, because I think it's a slim uh, amount of people that are going to be available to the Pacers for just pick seven. It really is complicated because... When I first started my list, you know, there's all these awesome names on there. And then you start to just go, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or, eh, you know, because look, let's be honest, the seventh overall pick, good pick, not a great pick. This is not like what we heard about. Hey, the Pelicans are looking to aggressively trade up to get Scoot at two or three. Like there's a big difference between two or three and seven. So mm-hmm. there are some players that very much could be available, but Guys, let's be honest. Like, there's not going to be a, you know, a Mikel Bridges or like a Kevin Durant on this list because we've seen teams turn down numerous picks for those players. So the, the list is probably a little bit smaller than you'd like, but there is still very good talent that can be had out there for pick seven. I will say this I asked Fachi to do top five with me on this exercise, and I was really having a hard time coming up with five players. So was I. That made sense just straight up for pick seven. That made sense for both sides where I could at least make the case for it. Even if I think it's a slim chance, I could at least make the case for it. And I was like, yeah, I just, I I feel like this is a very tough exercise. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have fun doing it. So I think it's the best time now just to get going into it, Fachi. So let's start with you, work our way up to number one. Who do you have at number five on your list? The reason why he's number five is because I don't think that he'll be available, but for the exercise, look, yeah, I had to come up with five. And I'm just curious, maybe I get laughed off. What do you think about Lori Markinen mm. for pick seven? Now I'll tell you why. Look, Lori Markinen's stock is never going to be higher than it is right now. Coming off an all-star campaign, still young. He's got two years left on his contract. Uh, he's 26 years old. If the if the Jazz were to make this deal and continue the rebuild that maybe they hope on, they would have picks seven. 9, 16, and 28 in the first round. 
that gives them the ability to make a big splash in this draft or the future because obviously they have Minnesota's picks. They have mm-hmm. a few other picks uh, from, from the Cavs. So this enables them to maybe rebuild at a slower pace because they wouldn't have to dish out that next contract to Lloyd Marketing. But also, look, 26 years old, seven-footer, he could play the three or the four. Uh, he's coming off a season in which he averaged 26 points per game on 50% shooting, 39% from three, and averaged nearly nine rebounds per game. He's not going to provide you the defense that you're hoping for at the four spot or anything like that. But obviously, offensively, he's very gifted. And that the two years on the contract, just 17 to $18 million. On the flip side, you are kind of going back to two bigs. It's, 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 a, it's a little bit of a different scenario than, you know, Sabonis. Oh, I'm not, I'm not worried Turner. about that. I'm okay. not worried about that. Good, because Laurie, it's not like he'd have to play him at the four. You know, he played also the three for Cleveland, so you can move him around a bit. But there is a lot to like, but I don't know if he would necessarily be available for pick seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's funny is he actually was the seventh overall pick in 2017. Ironically. You know, so he's been in the league for six years. He's a good player. Definitely had a breakout year with the Jazz. Was he an all-star this year? He was. Yeah, that's what I thought. So. Yeah, he was on my honorable mentions, and I and okay. I think the reason I had him on my honorable mentions is because, yes, I think this is the, t- the prototype of player you should be looking at, but I also fear that Utah would be like, no way, he's an all-star. We're not giving up, you know, Laurie Markkinen for pick seven. <laughs> Very well happened. That, yeah. that is kind of why I was like, yeah, I'm not like I, – I couldn't sell myself on it because I just feel like Utah – well, they could very much just be like, you know what? We think that Laurie had a great year. Like you said, stock is never going to be higher because it never will. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he was pretty much not a throw in, but he was kind of like a salary filler yeah. in the Donovan Mitchell trade. Like, you know, it was a, it was a good trade. I mean, they gave up a lot. Colin Sexton, Ochak, Baji, and, and him with other picks. Like, it was a lot that they gave up to get Donovan Mitchell. But like, yeah, nobody expected Laurie Markinen to like have this type of season. So, yeah, I think that's the right type of player to target so definitely don't have a problem with you having him at number five i just wonder like to me it's like yeah the pacers do the deal but i don't think utah does it but contract is really nice Fachi. it is 16 million this year uh 16 and a half million so next year he'll make 17.2 the year after that he makes 18 million before he hits uh, unrestricted free agency in 2025 and then he only has a partial guarantee on the 2024 2025 season when he's uh age 27 so really i mean that's awesome, and only six million of that's guaranteed. So, that's a steal of a of a sign and trade that the the Cavs pulled off when the when the Bulls traded him to Cleveland, and now Utah's got him under a great contract. It just all those things adding up doesn't make sense for Utah to trade him. It really doesn't. And look, it's like for Utah, if you're in the midst of a rebuild, he's still a young enough player who's cheap enough that you got an All Star, you can add to it through the draft. You have some other players that that you like, uh, you know, Walker Kessler. It, there's there's guys over there that I think that he could be very much valued more for the Jazz than other people see around the league because everybody expected them to just bottom out, but they were pretty solid for a decent chunk of the season. So I think with the draft capital they already have, they could still accomplish what they're looking for, and that's why I couldn't put him any higher on my list because I don't know if he would necessarily be available. Yeah, so I'm going to go to my number five here, Vach, and we're going to stay on the seventh overall uh, former picks at seven overall. And I'm looking at the 2021 NBA draft. I'm looking at Jonathan Kaminga. This is a guy that we've talked about, you know, especially with this pick right here. And I think I previously said that I probably wouldn't do it. Jonathan Kaminga straight up. You for did pick say seven, that. And I still kind of feel that way. That's why he's at number five. But I can make the case for it if I believe in Jonathan Kaminga's game. I think that he, six foot eight, can play both forward positions clearly, I mean, I think Steve Kerr called him out pretty much blatantly on Draymond Green's podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that clip or not. You might have uh, been in the hospital doing might stuff. Have missed it, was, that. it was going out on Twitter, and Steve Kerr kind of came on, was talking about the Nuggets and the Heat and stuff like that, and was talking about how guys buy in and there's always a happy environment and, like, they accept their roles. And it was kind of like he was calling out not just Kaminga but uh, Jordan Poole as well. And Draymond's up there like laughing the whole time he's saying it. But to me, I just feel like Kaminga needs a fresh start. I he think does. the Pacers could be a huge uh, place for him to grow. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy on a team. So no. you're not asking him to do that. But he does fit a position of need. Very similar to the uh, Aaron Neesmith trade. Kind of a guy that just needs a, a chance to showcase what he can do where he's not 
in a situation where they're trying to win. I think I've pretty much reiterated that several times. Uh, he is double zero, though, so he's going to have to find a new number because we know that Benedict Matherin is, is double zero. But I can make the case why he does fit. But at the same time, this is a tough one because I think you'd probably want more if you're the Pacers than just Jonathan Kaminga for seven overall. But that was just two years ago, Fachi. So it's not like that draft was five or six years ago. So he's still under the rookie contract. You'd have a pretty good control of him for the next seven years. And I think that is maybe one reason why, especially if you're not sold on anybody in this draft, reaching maybe the the ceiling that Jonathan Kaminga can reach. That is why you do this trade. I'm sitting here trying not to jump out of my own skin of how intrigued I am about Jonathan Kaminga. I completely agree with you. Because I remember a while ago when you said you wouldn't do it for pick seven. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to make my case of just saying, look, he's still just 20 years old. Yeah. He's been in the NBA for two years. Think about on Golden State, that's probably got to be the hardest roster to really crack good playing time for a young player as they're trying to win championships. And I just feel like if he went to a different team, you would have saw you would have saw a lot more production out of him by now. But some of the guys that the Pacers are, are looking at at pick seven are going to be 20 years old come the season. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's not like, oh, well, you know, he's already, you know, hitting free agency. Nope. Just like you mentioned, there's plenty of control over that contract. He's got two more seasons before he even hits restricted free agency. So I'm really intrigued. I don't want to spoil it, but I am going to spoil it. I got him higher on my list. I I'll save the rest would. of the reasons for, for when I get to it. Yeah, and I'll just say this real quick, too. Like, Golden State's salary is going to be very tight moving forward if they try Big to bring time. back Draymond and they have Clay and they've, you know, given the extension to Jordan Poole as well and Andrew Wiggins. Like, they've got a very loaded roster. So, yeah, getting a guy at seven and kind of like, no no pun intended, but dipping their uh, foot back in the pool uh, for, for someone else, like, you know, in Kaminga here, like moving off of him, getting someone a little bit cheaper at the time that, you know, whatever. I just say, like, he's a club option for this year and next they're going to pick it up because there's no way they can lose him for nothing. And he'll be a restricted free agent in 2025. I just, there's a lot of good reasons to to make this type of a trade. Even if you're like, you know, like the scenario I put out yesterday, like we talked about it on the poll on Twitter. A lot of people said, trade the pick that were in the comments, like trade it, trade it, trade it, trade it. So if like, that's, that's a scenario where the Pacers are like, no Jairus Walker, no Taylor Hendricks, no Cam Whitmore. Do we think that Kaminga ceiling is higher than, a men are a star Thompson or Anthony black. Okay. If we do, then let's make that trade. Right. So yeah, that's where I'm at with that, but uh, enough rambling for me, Fachi at number four, where are we going next? I've had a soft spot for this guy for far too long. And I'd be curious to see if he is available. And that's Keldon Johnson. Look, oh. Keldon Johnson since college at Kentucky, I've been intrigued. He's 23 years old, stud small forward in the making he never gets talked about enough because, look, he plays in San Antonio. You're not catching a lot of their games on TV. They haven't been good for the last couple of years. But he just signed a fresh four-year, $74 million contract that decreases in value mm-hmm. each year. Starts at $20 million, works its way down to $17.5 million. So you're getting fantastic value. If the Spurs are open to moving them, think about this. They want to jumpstart that rebuild even more. They have the first pick. This would give them the seventh pick. No one would be under payroll at any decent salary at all. And Kellen's coming off a season in which he averaged 22 points per game, five rebounds, three assists. While his three-point shot was down last year, the previous year he shot a hair under 40% on five-and-a-half attempts. So defense, not what he's known for. And I know it's hard to get complete players around here, but it's going to give you a lot offensively. And He just won gold with Team USA. He was one of the youngest players on that team. He'd been guarding fours in San Antonio, but over in Indiana, he could be guarding threes, which I think would really help him out defensively. Uh, Keldon Johnson, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. He's a name that's been floating around a lot in Spurs world because they want to improve their roster. They want to get a point guard. Trey Jones is a free agent. Mm -hmm. So they could be looking at this position here at number seven and saying, we need to get a, a point guard would we would be would we be willing to give up Keldon Johnson to get there? I think they would in a heartbeat. I think I this think is would too. This is a tough one here. Uh, I did not have him on my list or my honorable Ooh. mentions. I always did. like when we switch it up. You never know yeah. about it. I thought about it, but I the my gut instinct said I don't think Keldon Johnson's worth the seventh overall pick. Okay, that's fair. That's that was my gut instinct. Uh, it's easy to put up good numbers on a team that sucks. 
Yes, it <laughs> so, is. The 22 points to me, is it a little bit inflated because the team was terrible? Same with the season before when he had 17 points. Like they weren't terrible the year before, but they were still not good. So, uh, I mean, he's he's definitely improved every year. That's for sure. Not a good three-point shooter, though. That's my biggest concern. Took a big dip this year because he had more attempts. Went from almost a 40% shooter last year at 39.8 to 32.9 this season, Fachi. And that's like one thing that I do worry about with my wings. But uh, it's not like Kaminga was a lights-out shooter either. So it's not, no. like, uh, <laughs> not like you're getting that. But, yeah, I... I think I'm kind of torn on this. I could probably talk myself into it if it were to be like, if it were to be what happened, but I still don't like think I'm in love with this, but it's not a, it's not a bad idea. Like this isn't one where I'm like, okay, that's never going to happen. Right. Yeah. This one makes a lot more sense than what I was expecting out of Jaden McDaniels, but we might get there because we're still not the number <laughs> one yet, but that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> yeah, no, look, for, for Keldon, I, I think you're going to get a good player. I'm sure he's not going to average 22 points per game on the Pacers, but I feel like he could be good for 17, be more efficient, get better looks in Indiana than he did in San Antonio because he was looked at as the number one go-to option over there. That's just not going to be the role for him, honestly, anywhere else. So, I, I like Keldon Johnson. The fact that some of the other players that we might discuss might only have a year or two on his contract. This is someone who has four fresh years at mm-hmm. a very reasonable salary when you are looking to max out Tyrese Halliburton, maybe make some other moves. This is a contract that will not kill you long-term. If anything, long-term, it's going to get even better. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I Like I said, this is one where I could see myself getting talked into it. I think I would just like to see how he plays with the Pacers before I like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's not of like course. one of those ones where you feel like this is a slam dunk, but it's like. No, no, that's why he's number four on my list. Yeah, that's where you're just like, okay, yeah, like, like, okay, let me see it. So, all right, you ready for me to move on? I'm ready. All right, for me at number four, we're staying in California and we're staying in Golden State. We're looking at Andrew Wiggins, Fachi. I, I hey, think okay. that Andrew Wiggins, 28 years old, nine years of experience, former number one overall pick in 2014 out of Kansas, got traded after the Cavaliers selected him to Minnesota for Kevin Love and then really struggled in Minnesota and then broke out with Golden State. Had a very interesting year last year, missed like a big portion of the season. We don't really know what happened. It was never really talked about. He signed an extension this offseason, so he has – Uh, He's under contract until the 2026 summer where he has a player option. He could be on your team till 2027. And for me, Andrew Wiggins is a small forward that can play the four if he needs to at small at times. I think his six foot seven, he's six foot seven. That's how tall he is. I think that that is the perfect size that he want in a small forward power forward. I, I think that his elevation last year, like was awesome. This postseason was not the same guy that he was when they won the championship against Boston. But I think he's one of those players, like we talked about, if if the Warriors really want to bring Clay back and Draymond back, Andrew Wiggins is probably going to have to be on the move because they can't afford all these guys. And I would I would be surprised if they did move on from him. But if they feel like they can find his replacement at seven, that could make some sense to them. And it gives them some cap flexibility moving forward. So that is the main reason for it. The Pacers want to win now. They go out and get a guy that can help them win now right away. They got the cap space to do it. They've got the pick that's very uh, highly possessed or highly uh, highly coveted from uh, at number seven. And I think this is where Golden State's like, okay, yeah, we can kind of cash in on Wiggins. Uh, maybe we can find a trade for Kaminga too as we kind of reset and reshape this roster. But, you know, Bob Myers isn't there anymore. So what are they going to do with this team? I think there's a lot of question marks. I think they want to win still. And, they're going to pay maybe the tax. Who knows? Maybe they'll pay those extra extra fines or whatever it is, like the extra penalties. But at the end of the day, I just feel like if you can get your hands on Andrew Wiggins for seven, I think that's pretty fair. I'll tell you one thing. The very next guy on my list is Andrew Wiggins. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was just sitting here trying to just bite my tongue, just not saying anything. Look, the Warriors are in a unique spot. You touched on it. Clay, Draymond, both coming up for extensions. They got tough choices to make. With that new CBA in place, they can't operate like they used to in years past. It's going to be too hard on them. They can't pay everybody. And you already discussed some of the salaries that they have. It's crazy. But Wiggins, he's just 28 years old still. It feels like he's been in the league for forever, honestly. But 28, four years, $109 million. That is really, once they reset and the cap changes, like that contract's not going to be that crazy at all because 
Next year, it's $24 million. Then it's $26 million. I mean, look at what some contracts out there that like, like a Jalen Brown are signing or like a Bradley Beal where these guys are making like $50 million at some point. For Andrew Wiggins, you're getting a good two-way player. You can play mm. him at the three. You can play him at the four. And his value is lower now than it was a year ago. You touched on it. Andrew Wiggins at one point, it looked like he had a chance to win finals MVP. Like mm. he was playing that good. But I do also think that some of the off-the-court stuff, whatever that may have been, likely did impact his play. I think his head was probably in another space. And I think for the Warriors, they have very tough decisions to make. I think they tried to tiptoe the line of, you know, picking early in the draft and developing talent. It didn't really work out for them. But I think they're in a little bit of a different spot now or over the next two years than where they were two years ago. And I think that at pick seven, they could find a player who's much cheaper that they develop, they bring along. And Andrew Wiggins for the Pacers, I think, would be a really good addition because you're going to get it on offense. You're going to get it on defense. Look, maybe when the time comes, maybe he even opts out of that player option in 2026, 2027, and looks to sign one more bigger contract. Whatever it is, we could live with a player making between 24 to $28 million uh, you know, at age 28 to 30. I think that that's you know, what many view as arguably you know, in the prime-ish. I think right now Andrew Wiggins is in a great spot, and if he came to the Pacers, he's bringing a winning identity, and a lot's changed from what we talked about a couple years ago on this show of saying, what would it take for you to take on that Andrew Wiggins contract? Mm-hmm. Now it's like, hey, I'd give the seventh pick for that. That's <laughs> how much has changed, and that's pretty crazy to say. No, that's a great point because I think we always we always looked at Andrew Wiggins as a negative asset, like a negative yep. player, and it's like, no, he needed to get out of Minnesota. Minnesota was a hellhole for that whole mm-hmm. entire organization for a while until they really flipped things, got Anthony Edwards, and I think once they were kind of like, okay, this is Ant's team, you know, Cats here. The Go Bear trade still obviously one of the worst trades we can talk about in NBA history, oh, yes. but you know what? I I like a lot of the players on that team, and I like the direction they're heading. I just think they got to figure out the cat go bear stuff and they got to figure out how they're going to pay both those guys and keep it moving because McDaniels is going to be up for a big contract as well as Anthony Edwards. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough spot for Minnesota to be in. And, you know, a- Andrew Wiggins, man, I, he was lights out for, for golden state when they won that championship. And I just think about it. Kevin Durant wanted to leave. They got a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade. And because D'Angelo Russell was good friends with Cat, they were able to trade him to Minnesota straight up, basically, <laughs> for Andrew Wiggins. And it's kind of crazy to think about it, but it's like all this worked out for the Warriors. It's like they have been very uh, lucky with how things have turned out for them. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. But, Fachi, I'm going to go ahead and move on to my number three. You talked about this team not too long ago uh, when we were doing this list, when you brought up Keldon Johnson, but I, I went a little bit higher than Keldon Johnson. Ooh. I'm going Devin Vassell. Okay. Devin Vassell is easily the best player right now in the San Antonio Spurs. He will not be after the draft. <laughs> Victor Wimbanyama will yeah. be the best player on the San Antonio Spurs and Devin Vassell will be his sidekick. You have to wonder, would the San Antonio Spurs look at Devin Vassell and say, look, we like you, you're a good player, but if we can trade you, who was a part of the 2020 draft, which we know is a very infamous draft because the Pacers love that draft class. I love it. Um, could could the Spurs say, look, we love you, but we think there's higher upside there at pick seven. We're in a complete rebuild. We're going to work our way through this. Look, I, I've seen reports that San Antonio wants to add veteran help to their team. Look, that makes sense if you want to like have a good infrastructure but they're not winning any games anytime soon. Like, yeah, I, I get it. Wimbenyama is going to help them, but they're still a ways away. And if they could find their like point guard, maybe and an Anthony black, or even if a men fell or a SARS there, or they really like case and Wallace, whatever at seven, they could find their perfect person to, to pair with him. I think Sohan makes a ton of sense next to Wimbenyama. I, I That's a great front court building block there. So now you're trying to build around the edges and there's even a case. Maybe Cam Whitmore could make some sense there with him. So, I'm just saying a pick seven, I'm asking for Devin Vassell. I think that that is a fair value trade because Devin Vassell has only played in the league for three years, only played 38 games last year, average 18 and a half points in those 38 games, shot 38% from three, which is great, almost 39%. Really good basketball player. I I think that him on the Pacers could make sense, but I do worry a little bit just because he's only six foot five. 
that's kind of where I'm at, where like I know that the Spurs very much like Devin Vassell. I know that he is a very good player, but at six foot five, like where are you really plugging him when right now obviously you got Matherin, you got Nem Hard, and like I know Nem Hard as good as he is, like it's not like he is Benedict Matherin. So it's like you could be able to make some adjustments there, but I mean, where are you really playing him? Because you could play him at two, you could play him at three. Yeah. Either way, if you trade the seventh overall pick, do you feel that that core that we mentioned could all coexist together and get ample amount of playing time while Vassell still do a new contract? Yeah, I would probably bring uh, Andrew Nimhart off the bench and yeah, start Vassell next to Matherin with Halliburton. Um, and then obviously Nimhart will go in for the. Halliburton or not Halliburton. Yeah. Halliburton. He could, he could yeah. go in for Vassell. He could go in for Matherin, like very mm-hmm. interchangeable there. Not that I, I want to take Nimhart out of the starting lineup, but I just think that the ceiling is a little bit higher with Vassell. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of praise I've been hearing for Vassell. I've really liked him. I liked him when he was at Florida state, just a guy that just seems like he just really got his head on straight and uh very Spurs like player. So, yes, you seems know, like it. pop really likes him. So I would think that they'd probably say no to this trade, but I, I think, think probably say no. But I think that's what you got to ask for. I don't think, to me personally, I, I don't think Kelton Johnson's enough. Okay, that's fine. Seven, but I think Devin Vassell might be too much. So I think, you know, I'm swinging for the fences a little bit more because I'm trying to like, okay, this is a guy like, let's not oversell ourselves on Vassell as who he is so far yeah. in the league. Because like I said, the Spurs have not been a good team since he's been in there. And he really hasn't got like the heavy minutes playing time wise since the last two years. And he averaged 12.3 points in 21-22 and then jumped up to 18 and a half points last year. So I, I really think that he did take off this year, and they probably want to see more of that. But I think the sample size is still small enough where you could say we won him at seven. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at of like, obviously last season was his best season because he's only been in the league for three years. But that's where I get that hard read of like, okay, does he regress or does he keep getting better? I assume that he gets better from here, and he's still you know a really young player. He uh, hasn't even turned 23 yet. So still 22 years old and uh, there's definitely a lot to like, but that's where it's like, Hmm, maybe I got to watch more of his game to, to realize, is he worth pick seven or is it just that San Antonio is like, Hey, look, this is someone we want to, you know, not build around because they're going to be building around women Yama, but you know, they have a, a nice little young core there of women Yama, Sohan, Vassell, you know, Keldon Johnson, you want to put him in there. It's, it's some of those guys have to be expendable. And uh, maybe it's Vassell, maybe it's more Kelvin Johnson. Either way, uh, hey, I'd be curious. Is you know the seventh overall pick the going rate there? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of calls they get for pick seven. Would love to be in that draft room or the war room, I guess you can call it, when they when they get that call and say, hey, we'll give you this for pick seven. I, I think you got to keep your options open. You know, you do. Uh, you never never say no to a trade <laughs> when it comes to draft time because. You're guessing on a lot of these players now. It's I think a lot of teams hold on to their picks because of the team control and yeah. because of the uh, the unknown. <laughs> it's a little bit more exciting than the known because you kind of know what you're getting with all these players we're talking about because you've already seen them a little bit in the league. But you just never know if they get to the right fit. Maybe they could blossom. So uh, Laurie Mark and I, I think people were ready to write him off and look what he Easily. did. So that's a great example to look at. But all right, Bachi, we're down to the final two. Who do you have at number two? Uh, I got a former number seven overall pick that you touched on earlier, and that's Jonathan Kuminga. I'm very high on him. I am. I got him at number two on my list, and I'm all right being higher on him than you, but it sounds like you're coming around. So here's the thing. Look, I think he's going to be a very good pro in his next destination, but I don't see a route in Golden State for him to ever reach his full potential with the players that they already have there. Six foot seven with a six foot eleven wingspan, you can slide him right into the four. As I mentioned, he's just twenty years old. He's already won a championship, but he's been part of a championship type culture, which we need more players of of that type of mentality of hey, I'm here to win, not I'm here to put up stats. Like maybe some of these guys. I'm not not saying that you know there anyone's learning anything bad under pop, but like you know you want to see players that have been part of winning programs, and Kaminga has been, but. Like I mentioned before, still two years before he would enter restricted free agency. Uh, so it's it's not like all of a sudden you're inheriting someone who's already making a ton of money. But let's go through the numbers. In 20 minutes of action uh, per game, he averaged 10 points per game, three and a half rebounds, 52% shooting, and 37% from three. Not going to blow you away, but over his last 17 games of the season, 
basically playing around the same minutes, 23 minutes per game. He averaged 13 points per game, four and a half boards on 59% shooting and 47% from three. That's 20 of 43 from three. So it's not like it's just, you know, really nothing. But I feel like this is someone that give this guy 28 minutes per game, something of that sort. I really think that he could be producing the average, giving you, you know, maybe 17 and six or, or anything of, of that sort on probably efficient or somewhat efficient shooting. I don't think it'll be 52%, but I just really feel like Jonathan Kaminga was overlooked playing in the G League initially when the G League was not really looked at as, uh, you know, oh, hey, hey, this is where top talent's coming from. And then I feel like he goes to Golden State, doesn't really get that opportunity that he needed. Once he gets that opportunity, I think everyone's going to say, wow, Golden State really missed on not giving him the playing time that he deserved. And I would love for the Pacers to be that team. Now, hear me out here. Seventh overall pick. You, you're holding up Jarris Walker. You're holding up Jonathan Kaminga. Both within a, a year of each other. One guy's played for two years. You can see that it looks like he's going to be better. Other guy obviously hasn't. That's where you're at with these mystery box type players. And I think we're, I feel better about Kuminga having seen two years and uh, the hope to want to see more than I do a guy like Jarris Walker where, you know, maybe he's really got it or you know maybe he's just kind of the good defensive player. Do you see Jermaine O'Neal potential in Jonathan Kaminga in terms of coming from a team where he's having a hard time carving out a role to a team that really needs him to carve out a role? I would love to say I do, but Jermaine O'Neal, obviously, look, he ended up being a six-time All-Star. Yeah. You know, I, I think that Kuminga could be, you know, on the fringe of an all-star type player, think like that. But I would love to say, hey, I see that there. But, you know, I think he could be all-star fringe, like, but with his age, with the, you know, where the contract's at, I just feel like it really fits what the Pacers are looking to do. And having had two years of a sample size, just feels like less of a risk where we went through the seventh overall picks. I mean, it's... It's just a little up in the air out there. A guy like Lori Markkinen took some years to develop. Kuminga's still developing, but there's a lot of other guys on that list that were, you know, just kind of role players. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say this. The only concern I have about Kuminga is almost like the entitlement aspect yeah. of it. Like, not being bought in. And he's super young, so I'm not going to, like, write him off for that because, like, that's just something that a lot of young players do. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They want that next big contract, and they feel like they're getting held back because of so many different reasons. And then, like, there's so much pressure on them. Like, they have a shorter leash than some of the guys that have been able to prove themselves over the time. I feel like, you know, the the Warriors being in championship mode pretty much since he's been there, it's one of those things where he's not been able to have failures to have success. Mm-hmm. I agree with he's, that. He's had some. Don't get me wrong. Like they're, they've given him opportunities. Yeah. But – Definitely feels like there was just a shorter leash where, like, when that Warriors team really started coming onto the map, it was when Mark Jackson was coaching that team. And, you know, he had guys playing out of position. Like, we know Draymond Green was not playing at his normal position. But, like, a lot of these guys credit Mark Jackson for his belief in them and being able to, like, empower them to, like, feel better about themselves before he kind of wore out his welcome. I kind of feel like that's what Kaminga needs is someone to kind of, like, Hey, I believe in you. Let's go out there and prove your worth. Like one of those oh, things. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hate that he kind of fell under the radar a little bit there in Golden State. Like he was a highly coveted pick at that at that time of the he draft. Was. And I believe Harrison Barnes was selected seventh overall too by Golden State. And that to me is just like what happened with Harrison Barnes and Golden State. Like he became the scapegoat for that team mm-hmm. when they couldn't beat the Cavs. They got rid of him when they brought in Kevin Durant. He was really bitter about it because obviously – he felt like Draymond was like the the leading person to do all that. And so it just feels like, you know, in Golden State, it's like a high standard. And that's why they've won a lot of championships. But at the same time, you know, Harrison Barnes has had a really good career for himself. And I think if you could get a similar kind of role that Harrison Barnes has provided for a lot of other teams with Kaminga, that could be worth the seventh overall pick. And you wouldn't feel bad about it. But I, I think you want to reach a little bit higher status than what Harrison Barnes has reached. Yeah, and just running through some numbers, when Harrison Barnes left Golden State, his final season, you know, he was looked at as, I don't know, whatever, say, I don't know, third, fourth option over there. Um, 11.7 points per game, you know, just five rebounds. I remember 
He signs that big deal in Dallas. And I remember being like, whoa, I don't know. This sounds like a kind of an overpay. Immediately, he's averaging 19 points per game for each of the, the next two seasons. He's had plenty of seasons where he's put up, you know, close to 18. So he ended up being and a really good three-point shooter. So he ended up carving out a solid career for someone who looked more like, you know, the, I don't want to say the weaker link starter in Golden State on those teams. But I just feel like for Kaminga, while he's still really young, there's definitely a next level to his game that someone is going to get to reap the benefits of. And if you're the Pacers, I just really hope you take a look and you put a call in because we already talked about how they already have some big contracts on their books. You think they could afford one more? I don't know about that. You already <laughs> you already got to move some guys. So to end up paying someone else? Plus, I mean, look, Moses Moody is still a player who maybe has been happier there or whatever hasn't been as vocal. He's going to be due a contract too. It, it's just like a process of elimination. Someone's got to go. And if you can get the seventh overall pick, kind of hit the reset button right over there, I think for, for Golden State, that's got to be appealing. Yeah, I will just say this about Moses Moody. They've definitely given him a longer leash than they've yes. given Jonathan Kaminga, mm-hmm. but that's because he's earned it. So if, whether, whether you think it's fair or not, it is what it is. I think he's uh, proven that he can be a reliable player in a limited role for them where Kaminga has been kind of inconsistent. And if you don't have a good attitude, <laughs> you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get playing time. That Coaches just don't reward that kind of crap. I mean, you'll put up with it if it's a superstar, but for a guy that's trying to carve out a role on his bench, good luck to you. Um, all right, you ready for my number two here, Pachi? I'm ready. All right. We're going to go back into the time machine and pull Ooh. out one of Alex's favorites. I'm looking at a power forward from the NBA champions, Aaron Gordon. Oh, you, man, you loved you some Aaron Gordon. <laughs> man, there had to have been a part of you last night that was just like, I just always knew that he could contribute uh, on the winning team. I definitely felt that way, and I will say this. Moses Moody got the championship last year. Aaron Gordon yep. got this year. Everything's coming full circle for the Alex Golden fan club here. Uh no, but I mean, I, I just, we've been talking about these contracts and how it's going to start getting really expensive for these teams. We got to look at a couple different scenarios here because when you look at the, the Denver Nuggets roster, it's got a lot of talent on it, but it's got a lot of money tied up into Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. He's getting paid handsomely, Fachi. So yes. they're going to have to find a way to salvage all this. I personally feel like Michael Porter Jr. is almost viewed as a negative contract. It's the, pretty high contract. The do you have the contract number details up? I know that he's owed about 140 million dollars over the next four years. It was a five-year, okay. 170 million dollar deal. So let me just look it up real quick because right now you're looking at Aaron Gordon's contract. He signed an extension, and uh, was it last year that he signed one? I believe so. Yeah, so he signed an extension for four years, 86.6 million. He's got a player option in 25-26. He can be an unrestricted free agent in 2026. The most he'll be making is 22.8 in the last two years of that deal. So that's a very good contract, um, especially if you're looking at the cap going up. However, if you got all these other guys on your team and you can't pay him, this could be where you look at it. Okay, maybe he could be traded. He's only 27 years old. So that's something as well. Like he's the same age as Miles Turner. He would fit in with this team that's trying to win now. Um, and like, I, I think that there could be somebody interested in Michael Porter Jr., but I feel like he kind of got played off the floor. Okay, Michael Porter Jr. signed a crazy contract five years for $179.2 million. He's making $30 million this year, 33 next year, 35 the year after, 38 the year after that. Then he's got $40.8 million in 26 27. That's a partial guarantee where he only is guaranteed $12 million, but still. Not- anymore now that they won the nba championship that contract now is fully guaranteed fully guaranteed so that is a completely erased okay so that final year in 26 27 there's no option 40.8 million dollars i don't see them getting off him at all and i don't know why they did that contract i mean that is insane to me um i'm just trying to figure out why they would do that i mean i know that you want to keep your best players around but like I feel like at times he was played off the floor. Uh, Jokic is due for a super max where he'll be making 46. 
Mm-hmm. Next year, 50 the year after that, 54.4 the year after that, 58. And then he'll finish out 27-28, making $61.9 million that year, which is insane. And then Jamal Murray, I'm going to look up his contract real quick too because Jamal Murray, like he had the injuries, so I wonder if they got him on a discount. Nah, he's making uh, $36 million, or $33 million next year and 36 a year after, and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent, which means they're going to have to re-sign him. So I... They're going to have to cut some costs here. And that is why I think Aaron Gordon could be available. Um, I think the Pacers desperately need a four. We saw Aaron Gordon be able to do that with Denver. I think in a limited role, he is much better than trying to be the guy. I don't think he has to be the guy on this Pacers team if he is traded here. But I could see the Nuggets saying, okay, we got ourselves in this cap situation. Let's go ahead and move off Aaron Gordon. If Jairus Walker is there at seven, very similar type of player, Fachi, and they can get Jairus Walker on a rookie scale contract and have some flexibility, like move, like moving wise there room wise. So that's me is where I think this makes sense. But um, if they can get off Porter jr's contract, that would be the goal, but I just feel like it's not going to happen. So it's Gordon not- might be the guy that has to be on the outs. And I think that if they can get someone like Jairus Walker or even Taylor Hendricks, that like him, that could make some sense to try to salvage some of that, that stuff by getting back and getting somebody on a rookie scale contract. It is very intriguing because, look, that Aaron Gordon trade that they pulled off like two seasons ago, whatever it was, was was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It really was. They traded like two first-round picks. One was like a future pick and, you know, whatever else, some moving parts. But Aaron Gordon was huge for, for the Nuggets. I feel like he really set the tone defensively and just a good overall player. Uh, he's got at least two years guaranteed before a player option at $22 million at uh, age 30, uh, 2025, 2026, which I imagine he probably opts into. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't think he's going to end up exceeding that value. So to say that you're going to get at least two to three years out of Aaron Gordon is really appealing. And if you do put up Jarris Walker and Aaron Gordon, you know, hand in hand and say who has the better career, I'd probably say Aaron Gordon. Uh, Jarris Walker, it's easy to say that, hey, you know what, he's younger and very well could, but maybe it's the recency bias of winning a championship. Oh, that sure. kind of has me because you do like the players that really made a difference to winning compared to just guys that just put up numbers. And Aaron Gordon, I, they don't win that championship without Aaron Gordon. I, I just mm. feel like he was that missing type link. So I am very intrigued. And I that's someone that I do think the Nuggets would do because, look, they want to resign, you know, Bruce Brown. How, how are they going to do that? How are you going to make any moves at yeah. all? I mean, we just saw them make a trade for, you know, a, a late – uh, a couple picks from OKC because they don't even own their picks moving right. forward. They owe OKC picks. So, and, and a few other things. So it's just like, they're in a spot where getting the seventh overall pick could be massive for them to keeping this going. And, uh, you know, you, you definitely have me mulling this one over. It's just one of those things where it's like, I think it makes sense. Like they have Contavious Caldwell Pope under contract for next mm-hmm. year. He's making 14.7. And he's got a player option at 15.4, which I would assume he takes. Oh, yeah. He, he Because I think in two years, right, that's when the salary cap is going to go up. So he'll probably opt into that and then be an unrestricted free agent in 2025 when, like, that's when the cap's supposed to be really nice and everything's supposed to go up. So that can make a lot of sense. And KCP was a huge part of their uh, team success this year as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Bruce Brown's probably on the out. Like I think he is. Moving, moving Aaron Gordon would give them more reason to bring him back. Yeah. But they got Christian Brown as well, uh, the the guy they drafted last year mm-hmm. from Kansas. And then, of course, like you said, they got two second-round picks this year. I just feel like they got to figure out a way to, like, salvage the roster. But they really like Peyton Watson. I think that's the kid from Louisville, uh, UCLA. I can't remember. I'm, I'm going to look that up because I was really intrigued with Peyton Watson last year as, like, a second-round guy. And I believe it was Zach Lowe that said uh, that they were really excited about Peyton Watson, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's to me is something that's really interesting. Um, I feel like I'm saying his name wrong. Like no, no, wrong. no. You're you're right. It's Peyton Watson, the guy who yeah. had like UCLA. The, Sorry, the lowest stats to ever be picked in the first round. It was like crazy that that happened. But yeah, hey, if they like him, that that's cool. He really didn't get to play much or, or show much this year. But you know, he is a first round pick. So uh, clearly they have some sort of plans for him. 30th overall pick out of UCLA. That's what I really liked with the Pacers at like 32 because I like the upside. A lot of people were really praising him for that. And he's six foot eight. So, I mean, that's someone that could potentially replace Michael Porter Jr. if they want to trade him. But I I, I think that Peyton Watson's interesting. He's 
going to be a really good player. I think he's got a seven and a half foot wingspan too, Fachi. So like he's got all the intangibles you want. And like, we know Jokic makes everybody better. So uh, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what he does, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. I just think overall, uh, Aaron Gordon, probably, it's probably tough to trade him that they just won the championship. But I, I think that, Hey, you know what? This could be somebody on the move potentially. Yeah, it really could. And look, for, for the Nuggets that have never won a championship, you just you finally got the ring. And mm-hmm. that's where it's like, okay, look, out of your list, who's expendable? We just went, you know, Murray, Jokic, they are not expendable at all. MPJ, I, I just feel like good player, really good three-point shooter, guy struggles to stay healthy. You know, he he's had back injuries that, that honestly prevented him from – arguably being the number one overall pick in his time where he slid all the way down to, I think it was pick 14. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, that's another reason why I'm like, I, I just, I couldn't, we couldn't touch that contract for a guy who's had an injury history last year, only played nine games. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm intrigued by your Aaron Gordon, you know, uh, guy. I feel like this is someone who probably at this point in his career starts to maybe dip a little bit, but I think that short term would be able to help the Pacers really, uh, improve next season and for the next few seasons you think you, but, know, you think you think it takes a dip that much I, I don't know if it's like that much but i think that we're seeing the best aaron gordon that we've seen so it makes me feel like does he have a next layer to his game that i really don't know Do he's, you only 20, he's, he's only 27 yeah so that's when guys usually enter their prime that's probably why you're saying the best version of him because he is entering his prime right so now. So he will turn 28 before the season starts. Yeah, September so 16th is his birthday, so he will be 28. I think if you get him for four years and he's, you know, 32, like that's that feels like a good age. Like for like, we're, we're, you know, I think Buddy Hill was 30 this year, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I just feel like you know he's in that he's in the prime of his career right now, and that's why I think it does make some sense. But I also think you have to realize like. Playing with the Magic team that he was with, he was asked to do a lot more, and they were just the worst team talent-wise. So that made him look more like susceptible to like, what is this guy going to be? And then he goes to Denver and takes on a much different role, and he really adapted. And I think that's what makes it really exciting for me is because he was able to take on a lesser role and played small ball five at times, like guarded Jimmy Butler and did a really good job at it. Uh, played very well off Nikola Jokic. Like he's not a bad uh, playmaker either. Like I think Aaron Gordon sees the floor pretty well as a passer. Shooting is very streaky, but I just feel like you put him next to Miles Turner, you put him in an offensive system with Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin. I, I think you're going to get better, especially in the areas you want to get better, and that's defense. Uh, defense. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about him taking a bit of a dip, but I think that expectations might be higher than they should be on what he is as a player because of what he did with Denver being next to greatness in Nikola Jokic. I think that is the only place I can kind of agree with you on. I just think that he was surrounded by so many great players that his role wasn't mm-hmm. overexhausted, and he was able mm-hmm. to just play in that role and be good at what he did, where if you bring him here, could the Pacers ask him to do more than he was asked to do in Denver, and could that be problematic and make people kind of like be out on him a little bit? Yeah, I think he played his role perfectly in Denver, and I think that if he brings over those same intangibles that he brought to uh, Denver, brings them over to the Pacers, fans are going to fall in love with them instantly. So there is a lot to like, and you know, like we talked about it before, that seventh overall pick, absolute mixed bag to be able to get someone that you've seen a large sample size on makes you feel like, okay, we know exactly what we're getting with Aaron Gordon. I think that that's the type of player that could help I feel like you don't want to say change the culture for the Pacers, but I think would immediately play hard on defense and also still be a good option on offense. You know, whatever you need him to be, he'll be able to deliver. Totally agree. Let's see, Fachi. Number one, I wonder who we have on our list. <laughs> it's OG. Look, and, and how could it not be? Because here's the thing. The Raptors just elected to go with the rookie head coach. Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. opting to hit free agency, which we expected. It smells like a rebuild in Toronto. It really does. And OG, while only having one guaranteed year on his contract, which you imagine he, you know, opts out of the player option, he's got the ties to Indiana from the IU days and, you know, the rumblings, the whispers, whatever you want to call it. 
makes you still feel like, I don't know, I just feel like this is the type of guy that would re-sign in Indiana. And you could plug him at the three, you could plug him at the four. Whatever you want to put him, I'd probably say at four. Uh, he's going to fit in perfectly and still enable you to have Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, Tyrese Halliburton be them. But you're going to get a really good two-way player who's coming off of making the all-defensive second team. He checks all the boxes. He doesn't even turn 26 until next month. So I just feel like if you're talking about the seventh overall pick, what can I get for it? He might be the best available player for that pick because I think that Toronto, that gives them a lot of options to have. I think it's, you know, seven and 13. And then you already got Scotty Barnes there. You got Pascal Siakam or whatever you want to do with Siakam. If you want to move him for three or anything else, I'll leave that to them. But I think that he might be the best available player for that pick. That would be quite exciting if Toronto got pick three, pick Imagine. seven, pick 13 to go with Scotty Barnes for Siakam and OG Ananobi. Like, it sounds crazy, but, like, they get Scoot. They get one of the Thompson twins. They get Scotty Barnes. Like, uh, and whenever they get 13, maybe Grady Dick slides. They get a shooter out there. Like, they're going to need some shooting with that group. But, like, that's, that's pretty exciting and, and, and kind of fun to, like, think about if you're it a Toronto is. fan. So, yeah, this is where it's really tough because, like, we've talked about, like, Buddy and Seven to Toronto for 13 and OG. So we've almost been to the point where we're like, yeah, we'll take OG, but we're going to move back six spots. So, like, this would just be, like, completely trading out and just getting OG for Seven itself. And when I kind of threw this idea out of Caitlin Cooper last week, Fachi, she was like, yeah. She's like, OG is better than anybody at Seven. So <laughs> you do that Very trade. Much. So that's that's where it does make sense. It's like, okay. Uh, the player option, we talk about it at nauseum, but we know something was said to Tyrese Halliburton from OG we and know. Anobi. Oh, yeah. We know that he has a former history of being an Indiana Hoosier here. He's got ties here, so it does make sense, and I think that he would be a perfect fit. And I've seen some people say that OG could actually be a really good three, and I actually don't disagree with them. I think that maybe OG at the four could be a little bit problematic with his size, so maybe playing him at the three could be better for the team. Very well could. Um, put Benedict Matherin and Tyrese with OG, bringing them hard off the bench. And if you could somehow get OG and Anobi without having to trade pick seven and maybe trade like a future something for it, that would be really interesting to me. Uh, if, if, if the Raptors would be willing to do it, like let's just say you had to give up Nimhard. I know this sounds crazy, but like, let's just say you give up Nimhard in a future first for OG and they're like, okay, we'll do that deal. And then you're able to pull off the Aaron Gordon trade. For pick seven, and now we get like, crazy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just I saying. Know. Could you imagine a team of Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, and OG Ananobi, uh, Aaron Gordon, and Miles Turner? Like that to me, defensively, your front court is set. Yeah. So, like that is like if you're thinking big picture here, like obviously, like it's not that's very unlikely to happen. I'm just we're talking about these players, and I'm like, man, that'd be really cool if they'd fit together. <laughs> you know, like if you can make that happen, but even just getting OG and then maybe getting like keeping pick seven and whatever would be awesome. But like, still, there's so many options out there for things you could do. Um, you still have all your three picks in 26, 29, 32. I've talked to a lot of Lakers fans, Fachi, that have asked me, would the Pacers be willing to package 26 and 29 to move to 17? Well, duh. In a yeah. heartbeat. Yeah. And like the Lakers are like, yeah, the Lakers just, they're going to be so like, their salary cap is going to be so tight. They're going to have limitations on their roster. Like this would be a really good opportunity for them to like move back and get two picks in the late first where they could get some talent to add to their roster. Obviously it might not be like deep playoff depth, but it's good for the regular season. And then like the Pacers can move up and I'm like, yeah, at 17, you could get your guy there. Like uh, definitely there's good players had at 17 Jackson or Leonard Miller falls at that point. So it's like, I think Gigi will definitely be there. Leonard Miller, you're on the cusp. You might just right miss there. out on him, but you're going to get a real good player at 17 because th this draft, I mean, they have, like, there's wings in this draft and I feel like mm -hmm. 17 in this draft just feels like, Ooh, okay. All right. You can mm -hmm. get a good player. And look, going into this, we only wanted, Two draft picks, not five. Yeah. So sign me up for that trade any day. That, that's all I'm saying. So it's just like there's so many different options. Like if if you trade seven, like I'm pretty adamant. Like I don't want to trade seven. I don't want to trade it either. I don't. But but if we were to trade it because we want to win now and, and make things happier for Halliburton and he wants to win now, like you're trying to appease your, your star, then this is the kind of deal you would look at. So all these deals that we've talked about, all these players we talked about, I think, 
all bring different situations. Like some mm-hmm. of the guys we traded for, like, yeah, they help us win now. Some of the guys we talked about, maybe not win now players, but they could be, uh, yeah. but they're more like projects that you'd be yeah. willing to invest in. So I think overall, like we had pretty fair list. OG was my number one as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess I didn't say that, but it's pretty obvious. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> OG is the target. Like, he it's going to be talking. He's Nazi been the until, target until he's moved. If he gets traded somewhere else, well, we'll wait to see what he does in the off season, and we'll uh, talk about him next year. But <laughs> it's just like, I I just believe OG makes the most sense here at the three or the four. Um, sign me up. I'm all, I'm all in on that. I just feel like things have changed since the trade deadline. Like Toronto was still awkwardly like trying to win. They traded that first Ryaka Pirtle. Like they yeah. did. They did that move. And it was like, okay, they're gonna try one last run at it. And it's like since then they've lost Nick Nurse. I don't think Fred Van Bleet's coming back. Gary Trent Jr. sounds like he he wants you know wants out. Are you gonna re-sign Jakob? Like maybe you traded the first, you probably should. But at this point, it's like I almost feel like the Pacers could call the bluff on OG and be like, look, if the offer really was three first round picks at, at, at the trade deadline, maybe that was, maybe it wasn't. I don't think that's the going rate right now. If they are looking to, you know, rebuild because if he opts out, yeah, they're going to get nothing. Mm-hmm. What's interesting here about this trade for Yaka Pirtle, it's top six protected next year. So Ooh, that's very interesting. Yeah, the Spurs could have a lot of wiggle room there to trade that pick. It could be very enticing, but it could fall into the top six if they're going to be bad next year. So they could have reasons to try to lose as well. And if they want to keep that pick, and who knows how you know how you know hell bent they are on keeping that pick, it, it would really have to bottom out. And the only way to bottom out is to move OG, not re-sign the guys that we mentioned, because anything else they're going to be kind of stuck in the middle like picking around, you know, 10 to 12 or something. So they, they got to make a decision. And based off of that head coaching hire that they made, it feels like a rebuild. It, it really does. Yeah, it, it really does, Fachi. So there's our list. Go ahead and list your five off. Again, I'll list my five off. Real quick. All right. At number five, I got Lloyd Markkinen. Number four, Kelvin Johnson. Number three, Andrew Wiggins. Number two, Jonathan Kaminga. And number one, OG himself. So we had three overlapping. Hey. I had Jonathan I mean, Kaminga five, Andrew Wiggins four, Devin Vassell three, Aaron Gordon two, and OG Anobi one. The two that we had different, Aaron Gordon and Devin Vassell for me. And you had, remind me once again, Keldon Johnson. And who was the yep. other one? Uh, Lori Markin. Lori Markin, that's right. And Lori Markin was in my honorable mentions as well as Michael Porter Jr. was in my honorable mentions. Uh, well, the contract's just way too big. So it's like, yeah, you know, like we talked about him enough. Moses Moody was in my honorable mentions. Um, love that guy. Don't have to say anything else. And then Jabari Smith Jr. Because I think I, Houston's a wild card. Yeah. There was a quick moment that I was like, eh? and then I was like, ah, eh, you know what? Like, I, I just don't think they do that yet, especially for seven. Yeah, not, it would have to be, it would have to be more than that. I, I think at this point, with him being the third overall pick last year, to like trade him for seven this year feels like a it's, little bit of an insult. So yeah, I, I would think so. I feel like that they're not getting as much value out of him if that's the case. But at the same time, they're trying to win now. It just I, I don't know. What would they really want at this position that they don't already have in Jabari? So that's kind of like, okay. What what are they looking for would be my biggest reasoning for why they would do that trade. But they stayed at four and they had seven, then four and seven could maybe get them uh two players that they like a lot. So I don't know. That that makes a little bit of sense. But overall, Fachi, I thought this was a fun exercise. It was a really Tough list to come up with, honestly. Like, I, I was scraping the barrel, I felt like, trying to get this list together. So, really glad that we were able to do this and talk this out. And I'm sure a lot of fans probably agree and disagree with most of our lists. So, uh, it's going to be all over the place. But if you guys have any ideas who you would trade 7-4 and feel like it would be realistic, let us know. If there's somebody we liked and you liked them as well, let us know in the comment section on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever uh, with that being said, Foch, let the people know where they can find us at, guess where, social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook, SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash SettingThePace, a Pacers podcast. Subscribe. Like our videos, comment in the comment section. Let us know what you guys think of the interviews and the content we put out there because we want to hear from you, but Fachi, 
If you're excited that the Pacers have so many options this offseason and it feels like this team is going to be in a much better place than it was last year, hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.